there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hello and welcome to our 25th episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today I'm talking to Sarah Nicholas, a.k.a. Sarah N. Fisk, a.k.a. that person you might know from Twitter who is really approachable and tweets a lot about writing and pitch wars. Did you know Sarah is a recovering mechanical engineer? I did not. Per usual, this conversation goes all over the place. Sarah and I talk about my mom's very analog way of meal planning that still might be the best way to do it, and compare it to Sarah's very not analog meal planning spreadsheet with accompanying Google Docs. We talk about pitch wars and plotting and format paint and count if, and the fact that most people overuse pivot tables if they use them at all. I'm so grateful Sarah took time out of their busy schedule to talk to me. This is the third episode of our book-related mini-season in celebration of my sophomore novel, Liminal Summer, which, like this podcast, officially drops on Wednesday, November 24th. I've been putting off writing and recording this opening because it's hard to explain how today feels. Despite my deep gratitude to the universe for the fact that I sold a book during a pandemic, one that wasn't even complete at the start of the pandemic, or even when I sold it, today is actually a horrible day for a release. I skirted part of the problem by having a pre-release launch event produced by none other than Sarah Nicholas, and it was glorious. But today, today is a pretty bum day to be shouting about a sophomore novel on the interwebs. Luckily, I'm already happy with my sales and can focus on just being happy with the accomplishment, but it's a weird one to say the least. A few people have said to me, wow, two books, now you're a real writer. And while that sounds like a backhanded compliment, I actually feel this way myself to a certain extent. One book felt like lightning striking or even winning the lottery. I know how much hard work went into it because I did the hard work, but I also know there was a fair amount of luck involved. And there was luck in getting the second book published too, but there's something about replicating the work and the luck that makes it all feel a little more real, like maybe I could even do it again. So there'll be no party tonight, no dinner out with friends, no in-person book signing. I'll spend today like I spend all other Thanksgiving eves, thinking about how much I love the long weekend, how much eating and reading I'm going to do, and reminiscing about the past. I'll start by listening to some affordable floors on Spotify. When I was younger, the night before Thanksgiving met an Affordable Floors all-ages concert at Graffiti. The Floors were the inspiration for the band 57 Flights in Wasted Pretty, and their night before Thanksgiving shows were always a blast. I hope wherever you are, you are warm and cozy and have a good book. If you missed the pre-launch event for Liminal Summer, the recording is on my website. Please feel free to check it out. We recorded this episode on Thursday, November 11th, and we're releasing it on Wednesday, November 24th. Please remember to wear your mask. Black lives still matter. Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States. And remember, spreadsheets save lives. 
Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have hobbies and passions that take up a lot of your brain space unrelated to or related to spreadsheets? How do we know each other? Feel free to answer any or all of those questions. Hi, so I am an author under the name Sarah Nicholas, and I am a literary agent under the name Sarah Fisk. I am also an event planner. And up until the end of September, I was on the leadership team for Pitch Wars and did a lot of the management activities for Pitch Wars. And I started my career, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. I started as a construction engineer before moving into the library and writing world. I live in Orlando, Florida. I only own two sweaters because that's all that I get the chance to wear, which makes me really sad. Uh, and one of my biggest hobbies is playing volleyball. I love to play volleyball. That has nothing to do with spreadsheets. That's like the only thing that doesn't have anything to do with spreadsheets. Indoor and I also love to bake. or beach? I like to play indoor. I actually play volleyball mostly, which is volleyball in a racquetball court. Um, so are you allowed to use the walls? Yeah, you use the side walls and you can use your own back wall, but like the other team's back wall is out and the ceiling is out and you can only hit one wall to go over. So if you hit two walls on the way over, that's also out. Uh, it's fast paced. It's a smaller court, but it's a faster game than volleyball. And you need fewer people to play than the indoor. So that helps too. And uh, the facilities are like easier to access usually than indoor volleyball courts. Uh, I don't like to play sand that much, but I will, but mainly because I'm slow and sand slows me down even more. So, so it hurts less when you fall. So, <laughs> so you might need to age into that. I would say hurting yeah. less when you fall becomes more and more important. <laughs> cool. And then how do we know each other? I don't know how we know each other. We Twitter, Twitter? I guess. Yeah. Pitch Wars Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I would say Pitch Wars Twitter. Yeah. Cool. Well, how do you interact with spreadsheets in your work and or your life? I use them for everything. Like the joke in Pitch Wars was, oh, Sarah probably has a spreadsheet for that. And I did, like I always did. I use them to organize information of all different kinds. I think a lot of it comes from being an engineer. You use spreadsheets. Like people don't understand. People think engineers are doing like these complicated calculations and stuff. And like literally 90% of it is Excel spreadsheets. In my experience anyway, I'm not a, a rocket engineer or anything, but yeah. So I use them for every aspect of my life, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but uh, I use them for pitch war stuff. I use them for event planner stuff. I'm well known in my department as well for having Excel spreadsheets. I do all of the large scale events that my department does. And so I use spreadsheets to organize all of that information and also communicate that information with our volunteers who are working the events. And I also use them to plot my books, which I think we're gonna talk about too. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we go on, can you give a little 30 second, what is Pitch Wars for anyone who might be listening that doesn't know what it is? Yeah, Pitch Wars is an annual mentoring event where established authors and industry professionals mentor one writer over three months and help them edit their manuscript and prepare for submission. And then it ends in an agent showcase 
where literary agents request materials. It has a pretty good success rate. Like a lot of people who enter and go through pitch wars end up getting a literary agent, but it's not like we say good success rate. We mean like 20% within the first year. That's a good success rate for writing, right? Mm-hmm, so right. Um, usually a, a couple of years out, maybe like 50%, but it's not, it's definitely not a golden ticket. Sure. And I participated twice in pitch wars. Well, I attempted to participate twice. I was not selected as a mentee either time. However, I was given amazing feedback by certain mentors that had read my work to then, you know, they passed, but they said some of them passed because they said there was no work that needed to be done, which I have to say is a really great email to get. Um, it's like, you're not getting into pitch wars because you should be out querying, right? And so I did get that both times I participated. I also got actual detailed feedback from some of the mentors. And one of the mentors set up a Facebook community for everyone who applied to her. And I got to know people through that. So I've always said when people are like, should I do it? Should I not do it? I always encourage people to apply not with the, and I am sort of clear on how difficult it is to get accepted and that that's generally true in publishing, like the numbers are just against you, but to Mm -hmm. really make use of the chats and the hashtag and the getting to know people. I met people through swapping manuscripts, trying to get them ready for pitch wars to even enter. And those people have become friends and people that I can go to as betas. So I think it's an amazing program. I think you all take a lot of guff from a lot of different areas. Um, And I think that overall, it's an incredibly positive experience. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it is important to note that only about 3% of the people who apply get into Pitch Wars. And so that's, that's a pretty small number. And also, it happens a lot where there are manuscripts who very easily could get into pitch wars if like the wind blew differently that day, you know, because there are so, so many good ones. Like I just gave away query critiques to four writers who didn't make it into pitch wars. And uh, I didn't mention at the beginning, I'm a literary agent now. I just started last month. So I'm not used to introducing myself that way, (laughs) but um, I requested three of the manuscripts. Like that's how good these queries were, you know? So the queries wow. are, are, are so good. And the competition is so fierce. And wow. just because like someone didn't get in pitch wars, like doesn't mean anything. Like I know several people who didn't get into pitch wars and got an agent a couple weeks later, you know? Right. 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 Great. Well, yes. Thank you for all of that. I I'm here to share the pitch wars love for sure. <laughs> um, so as a writer, how do you use spreadsheets for writerly things? Yeah, the main thing that I do is I I don't plot a lot, but for most of my commercial fiction that I write, I do use a beat sheet from Save the Cat. Uh, and I use an Excel spreadsheet for that. It's very minimal. Like if you're familiar with Save the Cat, it's 18 beats and some of them are the same beats too. So um, it's really about like 12 important beats. And I have a template and so I put in my target word count and then it will calculate for me at what a word count each beat should happen. And that's the primarily primary way I use it for my writing. I um, sometimes will use it for character info just because I'm 
I, I don't think necessarily Excel might be the best format for it, but just because I'm so comfortable in it, I'll have it in there just because I'm just like so comfortable to see information that way. Right. I do this a lot. I finally train myself. I'll think like, oh, I can just use a Word document or I can put a table into Word and I get three steps in and I'm like, why am I doing this? Excel, yeah. I know Excel so well. I And so I finally have trained myself recently that just open the Excel document. It'll You'll figure out a way to put it in that makes sense. And, and then it's accessible and all of that. I do that a lot with, because um, I write YA a lot someone's age and someone's grade because those things are not necessarily the same across characters right so it's mm -hmm. like name age um you know birth date and grade so that i can keep track of who's where when for sure and then i also i plotted a a band's a fake band's road trip in excel so that i would know <laughs> where the band was when something oh, was great. happening back home yeah yeah, like I got really exhausted and everything. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want these people to have to do a road trip. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I just have to plan the road trip. I don't have to go on the road trip. <laughs> I like that part. Like that part I can do without exhausting myself. So yeah, I'm a big fan of using spreadsheets to plot. I am also not a big plotter, but when I do, I do it in Excel for sure. So what's the biggest or your favorite problem, program, or project you've tackled with a spreadsheet? This can be writerly or not, or you can share a writerly one and a non-writerly one if you'd like. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there is like a single project. I think managing all the data in pitch words, because that's even no matter what my position was at the time, that's a lot of what I did so even when I was managing director versus social media director versus agent liaison, I still managed most of the data. Um, and just because I was the person who was good at that sort of thing. And so I managed like the uh, mentor application process. And that was through a Google form, through a Google Excel sheet. And then since other people aren't as comfortable in Excel as I am, I also exported them to a Word document so that the, the, the selection committee could actually read it in a more kind of readable format. And that was a, that's a huge project because you're balancing multiple different categories, you're balancing genres, because we have to make sure that the mentor selected match the genres that we think will be submitted. And there, it, I don't want to go too much into detail because it, it's like kind of a, a secret process, but there are a lot of numbers. <laughs> and then <laughs> there, there's like the soft things that you have to consider too that aren't just like the numbers, right? So that was a huge, huge undertaking. And then once the mentors are selected, then, you know, I create the Excel sheet that has all the mentor information. So we have their email addresses, their Twitter accounts, what category they're in, their co-mentors, that kind of stuff. And then uh, when the mentees are selected, I do kind of the same thing. And then I also did, I always did the pitch war stats for the past couple of years. And I did them in like 2013 or 14 when it was much easier because there were only a couple hundred people. Uh, and then uh, I helped Gail design the form so that stats would be easier to do. And that was, that was always a lot of fun, especially when I told Gail that we had to standardize the genre drop-down box because people were putting in just like these 
you know, they would have five genres in there. And I'm like, I can't do stats with this. That's not, <laughs> that's not good data, you know? Right. Um, any, any information that I, need, that I need to have ready. So at the agency, we use Airtable, which is, uh, you know, it's like a spreadsheet, but with like a little bit more functionality. There are things that I like it for, but there are definitely things that I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to use an Excel sheet for this because I don't need all the different things. And it's just so much easier for me to be able to see everything on the spreadsheet. I will say, yes, I have two screens. <laughs> so that helps a lot. Like, I don't think I could do it on just my little laptop screen. Right. So right. there's that. And there are definitely tasks in Excel that I'm like, I'll wait until I can get to my computer with two screens to do. So right. Right. We, my day job uses Smartsheet. Are you familiar at all with Smartsheet? Mm -hmm. I haven't used it. I frequently say like, I don't need all this functionality. I'm going to do my little work on my Excel sheet and what you need me to have in Smartsheet. I'll make sure it gets there. But it is, I have become, yeah, it's just, it's what I like the best and it works. And I've actually noticed over the years that they've really, when they do updates, they are very rarely counterintuitive, right? Like I Mm -hmm. feel like in other programs, an update means you can't do the thing that you used to be able to do. And I do feel that Excel has gotten better over the years. I do think Airtable and, uh, you know, some of the other competitors for it are ways that people who have not learned Excel as well as we have can use the same functionality. It's just like more user-friendly basically. Um, because like some of the things that we do, like we have, you know, we have an editor spreadsheet and it says whether to take picture books, middle grade, young adult. And that's like a little box that you use and you can check it. And like, I can do the same thing in Excel. I can sort by that in Excel, right. but I understand that it's not quite as intuitive. Like you do have to learn how to do that first. Right. Right. Yes. All right. What are the limits of spreadsheets? What problems can they not solve or what projects can they not help you take on? Well, I haven't figured out how to write a book in Excel yet, but (laughs) (laughs) you keep trying. (laughs) No. Um, I mean, that's, that's the biggest part for me is when, when you have to have a lot of text. So I mentored the, I mentioned the mentor applications earlier and their, you know, paragraph answers, they're long. And so that's, that's difficult to read in Excel for anybody. Um, and so I feel like that's probably the biggest, it's, it's meant, I think, for organizing short data, if that makes sense. What's the silliest spreadsheet you've ever made? Okay, I'm really excited to talk about this. I actually taught a, ta- a class in this once and only like two people showed up, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> I do my meal planning in Google Docs. And so I, I'm a minimalist. I don't like to have physical things around. So uh, about 10 years ago, I started moving all of my recipes into Google Docs and I kind of index them. So I put keywords in them like breakfast or dessert or vegetarian or something like that, gluten-free, whatever. I am not vegetarian or gluten-free, but I often cook for people who are, you know, so it's nice for me to be able to like find that. And so I have all these Google Doc folders that are the recipes. And then I put my meal plan in a Google sheet. And so I have like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, I have, cause I, I usually am only cooking for myself. So, you know, leftovers are a thing and then I'll link to the recipes that I'm going to make. And so it's all kind of in one folder. 
I'm glad we're, we're able to talk about this and you're like interested because usually people just like zone out. They're like, this is weird. So um, I love it. <laughs> wow. I have questions. I have follow-up questions. Yeah, I can share it with you. Want. <laughs> well, I actually, I want, I want some sc uh, screenshots so that we can use them in the, yeah. So we'll get there. But so question how do you deal with ingredients? So it, it, like I asked this because we had someone on the podcast who did a cookie bake for his child's entire elementary school. And he used spreadsheets to help make the shopping list. So like if you mm. needed nuts for one recipe and nuts for another recipe, it would come out like it blew my mind. And so I'm curious if you've taken it to that level or if you're just, you're linking to the recipe and then you're making a shopping list like manually from that. Yeah, I don't, I didn't go, quite go that far. Um, I just linked to the recipe and then uh, when it's time for me to go, I usually, I don't like to shop for more than like five days really. Okay. Because I, I have some texture issues and like when vegetables start going bad at all and like other people will eat them, I don't, I won't eat them. So um. <laughs> that's, that's me and a banana. The banana has to be what other people would consider underripe for me to eat a banana. Oh, yeah. I'm the opposite. Like my dad's like, oh, I need to throw those bananas away. I'm like, no, those are perfect. Stop. <laughs> so <laughs> So how um, far out does your meal planning go? Like how often do you meal plan and how far out do you go with it? Uh, so the detailed meal plan, I only usually do about um, maybe one to two weeks out, depending on how busy my life is. I have uh, like a prepared meal delivery service that I sometimes order. And so that will go in there so that I know that I don't have to cook for those three days. Mm -hmm. And so essentially the sheet itself will go as far as I can order in those, which is usually about four weeks out because okay. you can only order, you know, up to a certain amount ahead of time. Um, and, and then I, I just started doing blue apron again. I used to do blue apron a lot, but they offered me like this really good deal. So I was like, well, I'll try it again. But, um, so that will go in there too, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm, you know, eating out, if I'm planning to go eat out somewhere or have an event or whatever, I'll put that in there. So I know exactly like how much meals I'll need. Then I also know like, cause I know which meals make like four servings versus two servings versus six servings. So if I see like a big space where I need, you know, I'll need six meals. Like I can do one of the bigger things like a chuck roast or something. So I will tell you that growing up, my mother went to the grocery store every single Saturday morning and only mm. every Saturday morning. That was it. Yeah. And to do that, she would take, so like a half sheet of paper and she would write out the whole week, main starch and vegetable <laughs> for our whole week. And mm -hmm. then she would make a shopping list on another half sheet of paper in the order that the grocery store is. Mm -hmm. And that was the only grocery shopping that was done in our house. Mm -hmm. And it also, as we got older, allowed us to know, like, like, I didn't like pork chops. So if she was making pork chops on a Wednesday night, I knew that was a night I probably wanted to, like, stay late at school and grab a slice <laughs> of pizza. <laughs> and so um, I have always marveled at her meal planning. And it was all done, you know, analog, like pen and paper, mm -hmm. sitting down. Yeah. Um, I think... 
I started really doing this after actually there's a stationary co company in town called Rifle Paper Company that's really popular. Um, and I went, they do these, these sales sometimes and I went to the sale and they had this pad of paper that was about the size of a letter landscape piece of paper. And it had, you know, on one side it had the, the days of the week and you could put the meals and then it had a tear off sheet that was the shopping list so it was it was yep. just a pretty version of what your grandmother's right. doing my mom and then my mom oh your mom sorry yeah and then I started like I used it a couple of times I was like you know I could just do this in Excel so, <laughs> <laughs> so I did so that's where it came from and then the other part of it too is I get um my meat delivered via a uh, butcher box which is um oh they only use pasture raised meat and so I get a box of that and then I have the meat in my freezer. So I have a second tab on the spreadsheet that has what meat I have in my freezer. And then I also have linked every recipe that I can use with that meat. So it makes it a little bit faster for me. And my mother also had an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that listed everything that was in the downstairs deep freezer, like the freezer oh, that yeah. was in our basement. <laughs> and so it would be both, I don't think she did a lot of frozen meat because she was, she, I mean, her grocery shopping was she went to the butcher, she went mm. to the, the vegetable mm -hmm. market. That, that sort of went out when the big sort of supermarkets started to be yeah. a thing. Um, but she, so leftovers, you were talking about leftovers. So she would, you know, make a double recipe of something and she would write the date that she made it, the date, you know, that it went in the freezer. And then as mm -hmm. she used it, she would cross it off. So very analog, but very organized. So I feel yeah. like I get my organizational skills from her, but I have very bad handwriting. So like when people are doing like bullet journals and like mm -hmm. all these things, like my handwriting ruins any nice piece of stationery or, or notebook. So yeah, yeah, that's another reason I use Excel is because I don't have to look at my chicken scratch, which yeah, I can read, but makes me sad. Like it's just mm -hmm. not pretty, <laughs> like other people's pretty writing. Great. All right. Well, I don't think that's silly at all. I'm sorry. Only two people showed up to this, <laughs> the class because I mean, if I were someone who did more meal planning, I would be there because that's a great way mm -hmm. to do it. All right, rapid fire. Excel, Google Sheets, or something else? Sub-question, Mac, PC, tablet, phone. What's your preference and what do you have to use? Which are sometimes two different things. Yeah, uh, I use PC both for work and for personal stuff. And I also do often use Google Sheets on my phone though. And I use both Excel and Google Sheets and I think even though they're so similar, I think they have different functions. So Excel, I often use when I have to process a large amount of data, I find that it's better for that. Um, and Google Sheets, I use primarily when I need a lot of like interconnectivity, if I'm linking to other sheets or other documents or that kind of thing. And then I also, I really like to use Google Sheets. This is less of a concern because like office.com is more robust now, but, um, I think I've just gotten used to it is because I can access it from anywhere. I can log into any computer and, and get whatever, you know, I need. So right. Right. both, See, all of the above. <laughs> it's a very robust answer. People generally have much more limited answers. They have their preferences <laughs> and then they have what their boss makes them use or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, favorite command or function and in which program? I mean, like, I don't know if it's a favorite, but the one that I use like, 
the most I think that is the most useful for me that is hard to do in other programs is count if. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. And can you think, can you, is there one, is there a task you can talk quickly about like when you've used it or is that just too? Yeah, mostly, I mean, like I used it so much when doing pitch war staff stats because I would have a giant spreadsheet of like 4,500 entries and I would be like, you know, count if this category and they applied to four mentors or something like that. Right, 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 yeah. very cool. Uh, how do you feel about color coding cells or typeface? I use it very sparingly. I know like some people, it drives me a little nuts when people like put too much color and, and formatting in a spreadsheet. And like my boss, she'll never listen to she doesn't care about spreadsheets, but like she doesn't know how to use spreadsheets very well. And so she just wants to like color code and bold and caps everything. And um, it's, oof, it looks it looks like visual mess to me. Right. I will only yes. use it when it's functional. So like one of the things I'll say, for example, in Pitch Wars, we would have spreadsheets of the mentors and then we add a column for every thing that they're supposed to turn in, right? And right. so we mark it as they turn it in. So we know who has turned what in and who hasn't. And I would program it so that when people didn't, hadn't turned something yet in on time, um, it would make that cell red. So it was right. very easy for the other people to see who right. was lacking. Yeah, conditional formatting is really helpful. I, one of the things, so one of the, you know, advances that Excel has made in the time that I've been using it is that you can sort by color, which you mm. couldn't before. So when people were using color in the past, it would drive me batty because I would have to enter another column that would essentially mm. code mm -hmm. so that I could what sort, right? Mm. And so now you can actually sort by color, but I'm old enough that I learned how to use Excel before that was possible. And yeah. so I don't, I don't like to use and it And if you're way. using it with other people, especially other people who aren't as like, um, I don't wanna use the word anal as me, but. <laughs> uh, detail oriented. Um, yeah, other people who aren't as uh, specific about the way things should be done. <laughs> as I am, um, is sometimes I'll use a color that's close to it and not the same color. And they're like, that's good enough. <laughs> or they'll use like bright green and bright red and bright pink. And I'm like, I cannot look at this. <laughs> right, right. That's my, cause I do do some color coding with my own spreadsheets and, and we do have some shared sheets at work, um, which is why learning format paint changed my life. Do you know about mm -hmm. format paint? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And that way you don't have six different yellows, right? You just use the one yellow and you format paint and you're not hunting around for which yellow is which. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing about spreadsheets that you think other people might not know? Based on my experience working with other people in spreadsheets, I think the main thing that people don't know, it's a very simple thing is that if you select a cell and paste something into it, it will preserve the formatting. But if you select a cell and press enter and paste something into it, it will strip the formatting. And it's it's a game changer, honestly. Yes, I 100% agree. I don't think anyone has ever brought that up, but I know what you mean. <laughs> and that is, it is a game changer. Yeah. Or you can use the bar a... at the top too, that will strip the formatting as well. Right, right. I had a game changing moment with my new job I did not know. And listen, I am old and I've been using Excel for a long time. <laughs> I did not know you could hard return in a cell. Mm -hmm. 
I used to have to pull stuff into Word, do the hard Um. returns, and then put it back in. So that was actually a game changer for me. And it's a very recent one. And it made me very happy. It is kind of annoying, though, because like you can sometimes accidentally not do it when you mean to do it. So I I often will just do it in Notepad. That's like my go-to if I ever need to do something without any formatting. I pull Notepad up real quick. But the hard, being able to hard return within a cell, which is mm-hmm. on a Mac, I think, command enter or yeah, it's control enter, enter on PC. Control, yeah, yeah and, um, that was huge for me. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, do you, do you have feelings about CRMs and spreadsheets? CRM is customer relationship management. Yes. I don't, I don't use any of that stuff, so I don't know. So it's uh, interesting what you said about Airtable. So another, one of my first guests, possibly the first person I interviewed, uh, uses Airtable because she thrifts clothes and sells them. And one of the things she likes about Airtable is you can put a picture in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sort of the way you were talking about um, Airtable being a little bit more user-friendly for people who don't know the back end. That's what CRMs do. CRMs put a pretty interface up and you just type the data you know, and then all the sort of messy stuff is happening behind the curtain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't trust the behind the curtain. So when I have to use CRMs, I often export to an Excel and do everything I want to do in Excel. And it drives, (laughs) it used to drive my coworkers crazy um, because yes, you can run a report from a CRM and it's real time, but it wasn't really the report I needed. So I would just mm-hmm. dump everything and do my own mm-hmm. machinations mm-hmm. on the data. So I do know, so I'm an event planner and we use a software called Communico. Okay. And my, like I said, my manager does not, is not an Excel person and she'll run reports from it. And then she talks about like all this, all this work that she has to do to get the numbers that she wants. Cause she has to do statistics every month. And I'm always like, It'd be so much easier if you just uh, sell sheet, but that's not my job. I don't get paid her salary, so she can figure it out. If it were you, I suspect you would dump it into an Excel and have mm-hmm. it do the statistics. Mm-hmm. That's how, because yeah. I was in admissions. And so my boss, <laughs> we would be preparing for an event, right? And we would have to do these very specific things. So I would say the event was an open house on a Sunday afternoon. On Tuesday, I would pull a report out of the CRM and do what I needed to do in Excel. And then I'd have to do that report again on Friday morning and do all the same <laughs> things because it de- I, my Excel wasn't updating in real time. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I just said to people, listen, if you want the data to be perfect, you need to let me do it this way. Yes, I can't do it from the CRM. And then we had a training on the CRM and I asked the woman like, so this is what I need to do. And can we make, and she was like, no, we can't make it do that. And I was like, right. Which is why, can you tell my boss, this is why I exported into Excel. And she's like, yeah, we can't do what she does. And I was like, exactly. Um, (laughs) So yeah, CRMs have their place. They are not, they, they are not, uh, they don't replace Excel in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Do you know why and how to make a pivot table? I do, but I don't use them very often. So like there, I do find there are times when I need to make one, but it's usually like every two years and I have to go back and like refresh on how to make one. So you are, I, you and I are the same person in Excel. That's, <laughs> I feel like, yes, I know how, yes, I know why. No, I don't need to do it a lot. And then I always forget. So I do feel um, like people make pivot tables a lot when they don't need to. So <laughs> 
There's that. I would agree with you on that. Yes, I would agree. All right. Well, we've made it to our final thoughts time. Mm-hmm. So anything media-wise, books, movies, shows, podcasts that you're loving right now and want to shout out for others? Yeah, I just finished uh, Little Thieves. That book was so good. That book like really blew me away. It's been a long time since I was like really into a book that much. Like it reminded me of the time before I entered the publishing industry and I would just get like obsessed with the book. So So what's the genre or age category? It's young adult um, fantasy with um, heavy Russian influences. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, it's a retelling of a, it's called Goose Girl or Little Goose Girl, something like that. It's like a lesser known fairy tale. And basically the main character is uh, a con woman for lack of a better term. And she gets cursed by a lower God to turn into the thing that she desires. So she's like slowly turning into jewels and she has to give back what she took in order to break the curse, but she doesn't know exactly what that means. (laughs) Um, Anything you're working on that you want to shout out your social media handles, projects, anything like that. I'm curious you talked a little bit about how you recently became an agent and you talked a little bit about your writing, but can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, well, uh, my young adult book that is out now is called Keeping Your Secret. It's about a summer camp romance between two girls who shared their first kiss together and then fell apart. And so it's like second chance enemies to lovers romance and there's a prank war. And I basically wanted to write a Disney Channel movie, but for two girls. And so that's what it is. Um, wow. wow. <laughs> so cool. I'm my next novel is a camp, a summer camp novel. Oh, and yeah. I say that's I just summer. write about I write about things that I want to write about that are fun for me. And so, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so my agent is shopping my next novel now. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. And uh, I have a podcast called Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. If you are a writer, uh, it, uh, I speak to published authors and ask them to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from the first spark to the day of publication. That's what I cover on that. Um, and on Wednesdays on my YouTube channel, every Wednesday at 8 p.m., we do a write-in. So you can, if you have writing or even other work that you want to do, Um, We basically do like 20 minute writing sprints and then we chat for 10 minutes. And so it's like, you get some work done, but you also get some socializing in too. And it's always fun. And yeah, if you're a writer, you can see more information about, you can find it on any of my social stuff. But um, if you go directly to sarahenfist.com, that will have all the info about my agenting stuff. I'm not quite open to submissions yet, but I am open to kind of referrals and like I'm doing some things, but I'm not, I don't have like a submission form yet. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter, mainly on Twitter at Sarah Nicholas at Sarah underscore Nicholas. Sorry. Sarah with an H Nicholas with no H. And I'm also on TikTok and I love being on TikTok, but I'm trying to limit my TikTok time because it, it can definitely suck away (laughs) hours. I feel like I'm too old for TikTok. So we'll see how long I hold out. (laughs) I love it. I um, I thought TikToks for a long time was just like dancing and whatever mm-hmm. and skits because that's mainly what I saw cross over to Twitter. Um, but there's a lot of, I don't know, like I think I've 
kind of tweaked my algorithm a little bit. So now about 50% of what I see is just like cute dog videos, cute cat videos. So that's, that's my happy spot. There's always a need for that, for sure. Like there are political people on there that I agree with, but I say that I don't like it because I'm like, I need to go to TikTok to like calm down, not to get amped out. So right, right, <laughs> right. Oh, cat videos. Uh, and this we've come to our last question, which mm-hmm. is a question you get to ask me about anything you want, spreadsheet or not spreadsheet related. Oh, you know what? Actually, I want to know what your favorite function in Excel is because now I'm curious definitely format paint like definitely I really Uh like I have a a strong memory of learning it like I had been Uh using Excel for probably 10 years and I was standing over someone's shoulder at work we were getting ready to leave for lunch and she was working on a spreadsheet and she was like just give me one minute so I was just sort of watching what she was doing and she did it and I was like what did you just do? And she's like, <laughs> what do you mean? What did I just do? So disguise, like very strong memory. I was working at Planned Parenthood of Los Angeles at the time. Mm. And, you know, I was in volunteer management and education and she was in like marketing and sponsorships. And we were just friends. And I was standing over her shoulder and saw her do it and was like, uh, you've changed my <laughs> life. Because I just remember like the time spent trying to get the right yellow or the right peach or the right mm. orange. And then what what font is it and going back and forth and yeah, format paint changed my life. So. Yeah, I, I feel like I use it a lot in Word. I use it a little bit in Excel, but honestly, because of who I am as a person, I'm not often using someone else's Excel sheet. I'm often making other people use mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I use my own a lot, but I feel like I'm trying to think of when, oh, well, so I, my to-do list is mm-hmm. uh, in Excel and it, I can sort it many different ways with a filter and with an auto sort. But if I'm adding, you know, at a certain point, I'm not using conditional formatting because day to day, like something's urgent and it, something's not urgent until it is. And mm-hmm. so I have an urgent, like a bolded red highlighted yellow. <laughs> and rather than taking three steps to do bold, highlight mm-hmm. yellow and red typeface, yeah, I, I just click the last thing that was urgent format paint. And then all of a sudden that task is now urgent too. So I do use it in my own way, mm-hmm. even in my own spreadsheets. And that's the same with like, I have a freelance pitching spreadsheet. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. and this in my old job, I used to do a lot of my pitching during my one hour lunch break because we had a forced one hour lunch break. And so I would do that same like bold red typeface highlighted yellow for at the end of my lunch hour on a Tuesday so that when I opened it on Wednesday, that's exactly where my eye went. And so mm. um, that's how I, I use format paint a lot for just bringing something, someone, something's urgency up. Or if I'm, tabling it for a month. I have a color that just means you still need to do this, but you don't need to do it until next month. And I use that format paint so that I'm not clicking three different things. It's interesting because I'm thinking the way that I would do it, and this is what's so fun about spreadsheets for nerds like us, is like the way that I would do it is I would have a column that's for um, urgency. And then Mm -hmm. I would just change the column and have it do a conditional formatting. 
Right. And for me, it's sort of the way I live my life <laughs> is probably less structured and organized than you. And so I can't conditional format my life. I'm like, I'm like, oh, now I need this to be urgent. Like I can't plan for what's going to be urgent. And that'll be like, so for example, if I have a freelance essay, that's just like a personal essay that I'm trying to pitch and then something timely happens in the news, now that essay is Mm -hmm. urgent, Mm -hmm. even though Mm -hmm. I had viewed it as an evergreen piece now I need it to be urgent because I have a timely hook. And so it's just not, it doesn't lend itself to conditional formatting in a way that I, that my life plays out basically. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Um, Like final thoughts. Like I was just thinking about so many different organizations I've worked with where they just want to use all these colors and, and headers. Like they want to do sections and I'm like, you need to simplify it. Like, this is much more functional if you simplify it, which I think a lot of people, especially like a lot of business people don't understand that. Like they right. want like a, a flashy header isn't document. Sortable, right? Like yeah, a header is exactly. not sortable. So do, I don't want a header. That needs to be a column, right? So if exactly. you're having like yes. this person's <laughs> workflow, I don't want to see Sarah and then Jamie and then mm-hmm. Matt. I want a column that has Sarah, Jamie, or Matt so that I can sort by who's supposed to be working on it. Yeah. And yes. This is why yeah. I lock columns and, and spreadsheets when I use them with my coworkers. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I'm totally, yeah. If, I don't understand why you would make a spreadsheet if it weren't functional. Like if you're going to mm. go through the trouble of making the spreadsheet, exactly. make it functional. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much. This was so lovely. And I really appreciate you taking the time. And I'm super excited to follow your agenting journey. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song. Sam Schindler for editing and production. Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.